everybody. How you guys doing? Welcome to Off the Bench with Heidi St. John. Today is Monday. Can you guys believe it? October the 5th. And today I'm going to air part two of my interview with my friend, Seth Gruber. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Culture is impacting our faith. Something is wrong. When you talk to people about how to defend their position, so let's say there's a lot of people listening to this. I mean, there's probably 100,000 people going to download this podcast in a couple of days. So if you are you have an opportunity to say, to to teach just a little bit, to say here, uh, you know, the person who's like, I, I want to be able to articulate my belief, but I just feel like I stumble at it. I feel like mm-hmm. I say something and then I get shut down really fast and then I don't have a comeback. What What are some just basic, basic, basic uh, principles for someone who is wanting to learn how their faith can become a faith that speaks in the area, particularly of abortion. Amen. Yeah, that's so good. What a good word, Heidi. Thank you for saying all that. Um, Yes, let's go over the case for life. Okay, this is what I do full time. I equip and encourage Christians to engage the culture for life and give them the tools of thought to do it effectively, graciously, and persuasively. So how do we defend our pro-life beliefs? And right, and how can we do it without just citing exclusively Bible verses to make our case, right? We're going to talk about that, but that's not going to persuade the pro-choice atheist, right, who rejects the Christian worldview. So, that's right. So I break down the, the case for life, the pro-life position, and frankly, why everyone should be pro-life into three basic questions. The first is, what is the unborn? And this is the most fundamental question in the abortion debate, right? As as Greg Kokel eloquently uh, paints a picture for us, he asks us to imagine for a second that we're standing at our kitchen sink cleaning dishes one evening. And as we're standing there cleaning our dishes, um, our three-year-old toddler walks up behind us, Heidi. And your three-year-old toddler says, um, Mommy, can I kill this? Now, what would be the first question out of your mouth, Heidi, in response to your toddler's question, can I kill this? Kill what? Kill what, right? Exactly. What is it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If, if you yeah. turn around and- Is it a spider? Right. Absolutely. It's, exactly, right. Yeah. If it's a cockroach, you know, maybe, maybe Heidi yeah. says, uh, you know, here, son, here's a hammer, <laughs> you know, have fun. That's right. But exactly. if it's the neighbor kitty, you know, I'm, I'm hoping we'd have a different reply unless, you know, your family are vindictive cat haters, in which case, no judgment. <laughs> But uh, if you turn around and he's holding his little sister by the throat, uh, you need counseling, right? Yeah, so you, you're right. you can't exactly. actually answer the question, can I kill this, until you answer the question, what is it? The same is true on the issue of abortion. So that's what I would first encourage your listeners with. That's the most fundamental question. And listen, it is not the burden of proof is not on you guys to answer that question. Now, I'm going to give you the tools to answer that and do so very effectively. But the, the burden of proof is not on you. If I claim... Um, uh, these people over here are okay to kill. The burden of proof is on me to prove that they're not humans because otherwise it's always wrong to intentionally kill innocent humans. So actually in conversations, you're list- I want you guys to, to force that question back onto the, your pro-choice friend and say, you're the one saying we can kill whatever's in the womb. You need to prove that that's not a human being with equal rights. So that's the most fundamental question. How do we answer the question, what is the unborn? Okay, well, we answer it in two ways. We answer it scientifically, and we answer it philosophically. We answer it scientifically by looking to the science of embryology, which has given us all we need to know about life in the womb for literally decades. So the science of embryology teaches us this, you guys. It teaches us that from the moment of conception, there is a distinct living and whole human being, okay? I'm merely summarizing the best uh, embryology textbooks we have on literally every university campus. Okay, what does distinct mean? Well, we know what that means. It means unique, 
right? It, it means separate. It means that you're not me and I'm not you. It means that that means that Heidi St. John will never exist again. There's only one of you, and that is how God made it. So if, if the unborn child is distinct, what does that mean for the abortion debate? Ready? It means that the body in her body is not her body. <laughs> it means yep, that that's yep, a distinct yep. human being. And this makes sense because we know that pregnant women do not have 20 fingers and 20 toes, two brains, two hearts, two different DNA codes, potentially two different blood types existing simultaneously. Oh, and what happens if she's pregnant with a boy? <laughs> pregnant women do not have right. male genitalia, while the left would like to tell you they do. So they're distinct. Right, right. <laughs> Secondly, they're living. What does that mean? It means dead things don't grow. And it means the baby meets all of the requirements for a living thing that we learned in high school biology. It also means that the baby is directing his or her own internal growth from within. And you know this. I know this. My wife never woke me up in the middle of the night saying, Seth, come here. Um, remind our baby to grow. Come whisper to my womb. We don't want her to forget. Yeah. Because unborn right. children actually direct their own growth from within, independent of the wishes of their mother. So they're mm. living. And thirdly, the science teaches us, Heidi, that the unborn child is whole. And this is very important. Wholeness does not mean development. Wholeness has nothing to do with capacities or functions. Here's what it means to be a whole human being. It means that you have everything you need to realize your full growth and development as a participating member of the human species. Let me, let me simplify this for your listeners. I'm 29 and I'm not 40. Now, Heidi, my wife recently found out that men don't reach their mental peak until their 40s. Um, and she was strangely very encouraged by that. I, I was sort of offended. I, I think she's like holding out hope for me or something. But so I haven't actually realized my full uh, mental development. Look at that. I, there are aspects of my development I have not realized yet. Similarly, mm -hmm. the unborn child has not realized their full level of development. But it doesn't mean that they're not a whole human being at the moment of conception, just like it doesn't mean that I'm not a whole human being now at 29. So we all find ourselves on a different tick mark on the continuum of human development. But when did that continuum begin? The moment of conception. So that's what it means to be mm -hmm. a distinct living and whole human being. And that answers the question, what is the unborn? So that's the, that's the first thing that I would equip your listeners to answer well. Now, unfortunately, what the pro-choice individual will do now, okay, is they're going to pivot. They're going to pivot and say, okay, pro-lifer, <laughs> okay, it's a human. Because the science is so overwhelming, right? They look really foolish if they won't admit that it's biologically human. But this is a strategy. And, and I know this because I literally encounter this every day. They're going to pivot and they're going to say, okay, it's a human, but it is not a person. Now, hopefully your listeners at this point are going, wait, isn't that what racists said about blacks? Isn't that what Nazis said about right. Jews? That would be the correct historical response to have, you guys, because the practitioners of genocide always separate the term human from person in order to justify in their mind the mistreatment of the victim class that they have a vested interest in killing or mistreating. Every time the term human from person has been separated, disastrous consequences have followed. Um, and certainly nowhere is that more true than the issue of abortion. Now, they're going to say that by saying, well, the unborn is so different from us, right? They'll grant it's a human, but they'll say, look at how different it is. Like, only a rube would argue that there's any human equality between the mother mm -hmm. and the fetus. But here's the thing, you guys. The unborn child differs from us in the same ways that we differ from one another. So any argument offered in justification of killing unborn human beings can be offered in justification of killing born human beings. So the way that you make your argument from personhood and human equality between the fetus, the unborn baby, 
and the mother is by pointing out that whatever differences the pro-choice advocate uses to justify abortion can also be used to justify killing born people. And those differences are summarized in the acronym SLED, S-L-E-D. That stands for size, level of development, environment or location, and dependency. And so very briefly, the unborn child is smaller than newborn child, but newborn children are smaller than toddlers. The unborn child is less developed than the newborn child, but newborn children are less developed than teenagers. The unborn child is located in a womb in a different environment, but where one is has no bearing on who one is. The womb was designed for the child, and a six-inch journey down the birth canal does not magically confer personhood. And the unborn child is more dependent. But it is, it is in virtue of being an unborn human being to be dependent on your mother. That dependency doesn't stop after birth. If a woman refused to breastfeed her child and said, my breasts, my choice, my body, my choice, and her child died, she would be charged with infanticide. If we can kill unborn babies for being dependent on their mothers, can we kill born people for being dependent on caretakers, heart pacemakers, kidney machines, insulin, life support? Like the child in the womb, they are dependent on someone or something else without which they cannot continue to live. So those are the only four differences that the pro-choice advocate will point to to justify abortion. But because the unborn child differs from us in the same ways that we differ from one another, any argument for abortion mm -hmm. is actually putting in place the premises that will justify the pro-choicer's own enslavement because we differ from one another in the same ways the child differs from us. So anyways, that is the case from science. That is the case from philosophy. So notice I've made a scientific case answering the question, what is it? And I made a philosophical case answering, is it valuable? Does it have the same rights as born people? And I've done it without citing Bible verses to make my case, but I'm communicating biblical truth done the less. Yeah. And I think for the more the more that uh, we can train people how to do this, how to have these conversations, I think we're going to see more and more people. I, I mean, I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but I kind of feel like the wind is at the back of the pro-life movement right now. I feel like uh, I, I meet more and more young people who are committed to pro-life more ever before, because in the 80s, this wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. I would say it wasn't the case in the 90s either, but I'm starting to see more people take a stand for life. And I guess when I when I'm hearing you talking, the only thing that sticks out in my head, because, you know, like you, I live in the wackadoo, you know, Pacific, <laughs> Pacific Coast region. And so, sometimes you, you just cannot, you cannot reason with the unreasonable. Like you, you know, when I keep thinking, boy, I, I was thinking of a conversation I had with a, with a woman, a pro-choice woman years ago, and I just could not reason with her. You can't reason there, there does come a point and I think it's okay for people to hear this. I think there comes a point we have to we shake the dust off your feet and go, okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave leave this one with the Lord, because you can't reason. And instead of scaring the people, you know, scaring young people from uh, engaging in the conversation, I think it's good to say you're gonna there's gonna be some people you talk to, you're gonna beat your head against a wall, and you're gonna be like, what do you? I mean, I saw uh, Caitlin Bennett on a college campus. Boy, I'll tell you what, that woman. Uh, I saw her on a college campus a few weeks ago, and she was talking to a woman. Who basically, so Caitlin just made the exact same arguments you did, you know, your baby, you know, you don't have, you know, 20 fingers and 20 toes and all the things that this is not your body. She totally convinced her, okay, now I look stupid because it's a life. Okay, okay, it's a life. And then this woman, just in an absolute rage, and this is how you know it's demonic, right? She said, I don't care. Sure. And that was really the end of it. And actually, that's what it all boils down to at the end of the day. Right. 
and when you can when you can be presented with truth and presented with facts and the philosophical argument makes sense, you have to come face to face with your own indifference. And what we want here more than anything is for the church, for the believers uh, in Christ to not be indifferent. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that apathy is uh, sin. It sure. is sin when we're talking about apathy toward the unborn, when we don't speak on behalf of those who cannot speak for themselves. Right. And I so appreciate that you have, uh, and really even for your generation, we were talking before the show that you're like my daughter's age. And I was like, shoot fire. <laughs> that makes me feel, that makes me feel old, but it also gives me so much hope and so much, um, encouragement because I do believe that uh, people like you are going to make a difference. And even though, and I want to touch really quickly on the Supreme court, even though I don't believe I, I think it, I think best case scenario in the Supreme Court is they kick it back to the states, which is where it should have been in the first place. Uh, but I think for young people to just be like, hey, we're going to start having these conversations. Except yeah. let's um, in the few minutes we have left, talk to me about the Supreme Court. Um, Amy Coney Barrett's obviously mother of seven. You and I were talking about this before we started <laughs> yeah. recording. Uh, what's your thoughts on her? Um, on our confirmation, the possibility of our confirmation. Yeah, yeah, this is very important, right? I'm very glad you brought this up because this is a politically propitious moment. And, the, and and that's why it is time for us to follow your lead and get off the bench. Christians have to get involved, right? Not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. God will not hold us guiltless, yeah. right? Proverbs 24 says, which I mentioned earlier, hold back those staggering towards slaughter. But the next part of it in verse 12 says, and if you say, we did not know about this, right? It's, it's literally talking about the slaughter of innocence. If you say, we, we did not know about this, does not he who uh, made your life know it? Does not he who sees your heart know it? And will he not judge man according to what he has done? So it's saying like, if you pretend to not know when you really know, you're going to be judged for that. <laughs> that's that's right. what Proverbs 24 that's is right. saying. And, and, that just, and then Bonhoeffer re-echoed that, of course, um, in the 1940s. And so this, uh, it, this is not optional. We have to get involved. And this is more true now than ever before because of the politically propitious moment that we have been given to us, probably providentially, um, to really get involved in this fight. And so Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right, rabid ageist bigot. Who, who voted that it's okay yep. to suck the brains out of children after you stab them in the back of the neck while their feet are flailing out of the birth canal and their head is still inside the vaginal canal. Yep. Um, yep. That, is, that is her legacy. That's her legacy. And every Christian, every Christian, and I, I did a whole thing on her last week, Come on. and I said, you know, we, we just put the flags at half staff for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Who's going to do it for the 60 million babies right. whose deaths she was complicit in? That's right. Uh, it's a shame. It's a shame that churches aren't talking about that. That's exactly right, Heidi. I, wrote, I just have a piece on my blog at SethGruber.com called um, How Should We Remember Ruth Bader Ginsburg's Legacy? Exactly how we remember Roger B. Taney's. And he was the one who authored the Dred Scott decision, which said blacks aren't persons, right? And and that even if Mm -hmm. a slave owner takes their slave to a free state, they remain a slave. Why? Because they're a piece of property. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg believed that unborn children were a piece of property as well. So um, Mm -hmm. how do we remember her legacy as bigotry, right? And I don't want to hear people tell me about what she accomplished for born women. Your your advancements for the civil rights of born women mean nothing if you sanction the slaughter of unborn women. And and then people said, oh, she she made it to the highest court in the land. Yeah, she wasn't the first one. Okay, we already had a woman Mm -hmm. on the Supreme Court. Uh, it was Sotomayor, mm-hmm. so a woman who had already gone yep, on the yep, court before yep. her. So it's not like she was breaking a glass ceiling or anything. It had already been broken. Why do they deify her, Heidi? Because she protected abortion. She was seen as the apologist for abortion and as this sort of leftist seawall against what they perceive to be, um, you know, 
Trump uh, instituting some type of like, you know, religious uh, oligarchy by taking away the right to kill their own children. So this has opened mm -hmm. up the spot on the Supreme Court. And of course, Amy Coney Barrett is this Catholic mom of seven, two of whom she adopted from Haiti. And already the accusations are coming of her being sort of a white supremacist colonizer who adopted right, black right, children. Right, right, right. Colonizer. Yeah. I love, I heard that yesterday and I was like, oh, that's yeah. right. Ibra, Ibra, from Ibram Kendi, from Ibram Kendi, that, that racist fraud who says yeah. that he's an anti-racist. Um, and he says yes. that by saying that all white people suck. Um, and so, yep. so that, yep. so Amy yep. Coney Barrett is incredible. She has, she clerked for Scalia. She says publicly that she has her jurisprudence, right? Her judicial philosophy is of Scalia. That's originalism. That's treating the constitution. Constitutionalist. That's right. Yep. That means treating the constitution, um, in very same way that you, that Christians treat the Bible, <laughs> right? Is, is you're interpreting it yep. for its original context and what it meant at the time. And so I yep. think she does present this this amazing opportunity. I'm a little bit more skeptical of the court than some pro-life individuals. I am not confident that even after her appointment, that we have enough votes to overturn Roe versus Wade. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Yeah, so I yeah. think we need at least one, probably two more, unfortunately. Um, mm -hmm. And John Roberts is a coward. He's he's betrayed unborn he children is. and What's conservatism over I and over it. again. I um, so Christians yeah. have to get off the bench and we have to get involved. We have to make sure that if for some reason she doesn't get appointed before, um, for January, that she, that, uh, that Trump is reelected. So she is appointed in the second term. And we certainly need to get one or two more justices on the court, right? Remember Breyer, right. Breyer is very old. Um, so, yes. so it is very he's likely in his 80s. he's in his eighties. And I, yeah. And I was thinking that I was trying to, I'm sitting here uh, flipping through my head. Like who's that? It was Sandra Day O'Connor. She was the yes, first woman on the right. Supreme Court. Yes, thank you. Yep. And, uh, and it's interesting, you know, it's interesting to note is we keep having these conversations about uh, the justices and just like we're looking, we're looking at these pastors and these women Bible teachers who started out solid and they ended up floppy. Right. Uh, the same thing is true of Justice Roberts. Sure. Uh, we're watching. We need to be praying for these people, sure. you know, because they have these decisions that the Supreme Court makes. They impact our nation for generations, yeah. for generations. And, uh, it, and it's, uh, all for the it's all about abortion. It's all about abortion. Yes, yeah. it is. And I think this is why you see the gates of hell unleashed against President Trump. I think this is why you see. I mean, I cannot. I did not enjoy the debate. Let me just say <laughs> I watched it with my family. Yeah. And I was just like, Wild. oh, my word. It was like, well, it was like President Trump, who was debating uh, Chris Wallace, who was feeding Biden his lines the whole time. Yeah. And then Biden calling, you know, President Trump a clown and, and President Trump Racist. interrupting. And I was like, yeah. what yeah. kind of garbage is this? Yeah. It's awful. But then my husband rightly reminded me it's spiritual. Yep. That's it's spiritual. Right. This is this is war. And if we don't understand that we are in a spiritual war, we need to go back and start reading Ephesians that's again. It. We need that's to start exactly reading our Bibles right. again because there's nothing that's happening right now that's neutral. Yeah, that's right. These attacks against President Trump, uh, not neutral because the adversary himself, who the Bible says comes to kill, steal and destroy, wants nothing more than for us to continue right. to slaughter the unborn. These are babies with souls, by the way. Yeah. And we need to be talking about it in, in well, those you know, terms. And so slaughtering, uh, sacrificing babies to improve our yeah. life is nothing new. Yes. This is what the Ammonites no. and the Israelites were doing when they sacrificed their babies to Molech because they thought that they would get a blessing in return. And so Satan does not care the name of the God that nope. you sacrifice your children to, because we nope. understand that there is Yahweh, one God. So any other idol is actually the manifestation of Satan. He was Molech in the Old Testament, and today he's the pagan gods of convenience, education, yes. money, and career well-being. He doesn't care 
what God you call him when you sacrificed your children on his altar. As no. long as you continue no. to feed children down his throat, he will be satisfied. So this is so yep. spiritual. And not only does abortion poison babies quite literally through the abortion pill, it has also poisoned our politics because it's made mm -hmm. every political moment and decision about abortion. It's made everything about mm -hmm. that. That is why they hate Amy Coney Barrett. That's why they were freaked out with Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, because they knew that a conservative yep. majority represented an opportunity to overturn Roe. Christians turned to God for religion. Leftists turned to politics for religion. So therefore, the institutions of our politics become themselves idols, and abortion is the sacred golden calf of the left. And so they will treat individuals like gods because they protect abortion. This is why there was a whole product line called Notorious RBG, because they treat her like yep. a god because she protects abortion. And if Christians don't understand the spiritual implications of that, they're going to miss this and they're not going to get involved. And for the sake of unborn children, for the sake of life and liberty, we can't afford that. No, and we cannot afford to sit out this election. And I guess that's where I kind of like to leave uh, this podcast today because you've made an incredible case for life and an incredible case for uh, parents and actually just voters getting off the bench and onto the battlefield. Uh, if there was no other no other topic, no other issue on the ballot, it would be enough. That's right. It would be enough for us to say, we are not going to sit this out. And for goodness sake, you guys, if you can go to the polls, go. I I don't, I don't, uh, I mean, for goodness sake, we're worried about the Rona, right? So the Rona is going to keep us from voting. So we're going to have to do mail-in ballots. I know people, Seth, you know, I've got so many people that follow me online. And so they send me pictures, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, things that are happening in their neighborhoods, et cetera, et cetera. I am getting tons of uh, people sending me pictures of um, absentee, ballots that they're getting in the mail from states they don't even live in gosh i know oh and just I, wait I'm they're trying to steal the election oh it's crazy yep. it's crazy and it's spiritual and people need to wake up people That's need right. to wake up it's never been more important than it is Amen. right now and uh i hope that uh everybody within the sound of your voice today has been encouraged i know that i know i have been i've been uh taking notes i wrote down your little sled thing that was amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. and i I, uh, where can people find you? So if you're available, right, you come and you speak, you can yeah. speak at churches and you speak yeah. all over so the country. As we're, How as can we're people talking find you? right now, I'm actually in, in Maine and I, I, I actually spoke at the Pregnancy Resource Center here in Waterville, Maine last year. And, uh, and we just fell in love with one another, me and the staff at the Pregnancy Resource Center. So they brought me mm. back for a youth and community event um, fr Friday night, um, tonight, and, uh, as, and then as well as um, some youth events. So I just, I did a high school this week. I have another Christian high school. I'm preaching at Calvary Chapel, Bangor. Um, and then this youth event. And so I speak all around the country. So listen, the number one response I get you guys is, and this is not about me. This is just because God has called me to this. He's, he's given me the tools to make yep. it happen and there's not enough of us. And, and so that's really why, but, no, but the true, number one man. response I get is, is Seth, we need you in every youth group and church in the country. Um, and I say, amen, how can we make that happen? Right. So, so listen, if you're listening to this and you want me to come to your youth group, your, your, uh, your, your co-op, your Protestant or Catholic high school, your church on a Sunday morning, um, a pregnancy resource center training, a banquet, a conference, please book me. I, 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 I give away speaking honorariums at very cheap prices. I, I, we will figure out how to make it happen if you can't afford my fee, because we need to get the young people equipped. We need to fight for the soul of the country, because these are the people, guys, who are going to pick up our political legacy. And Hello. they're going to determine whether we continue to slaughter a million babies a year or not. And if we don't invest in that generation, then, then this slaughter is going to continue. And God's judgment is coming on this country if it's not already. 
and we need to be faithful. Mm-hmm. And so um, SethGruber.com, that's my website, G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com, SethGruber.com. My website is unaborted with Seth Gruber. Every Monday, I go for 45 minutes to an hour. Um, every Monday episode, you can watch it on YouTube or you can tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. I have a blog, I write regularly, and of course, I, I speak all around the country. So that's how you guys get in touch with me. I'm most active on Facebook, but I also have an Instagram and Twitter, uh, and Twitter, of course. So. <laughs> So, and I will link back to that in the show notes today. I know people are like, what, where'd I write this stuff down? As always, you guys, you can find information about my guests. Just go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast, scroll down to this episode, and I will link back to uh, Seth and his information in the show notes today. Seth Gruber, it's been a delight to have you. um, And we will continue just to pray for you. And like I said, I hope you guys can make it up here and check out the Homeschool Resource Center. We'd love to, we'd love to give you a tour. I have a feeling (laughs) like we're going to be at some of the same events again in the future. So (laughs) yes, I will look forward to it. Thank you so much. For more information on Seth Gruber and his ministry for the unborn, you can find the show notes at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget, you guys, please leave reviews for the show over at iTunes. And remember, the MomStrong International Bible Study is starting really soon. So check it out, MomStrongInternational.com. We're going to be going through the book of Revelation. Have a great day, everybody, and I'll see you back here tomorrow. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.